morning, I'm going to share the verse uh, that led me as a 15-year-old to follow Christ. It was a lot going on one night, and I had this almost like a voice that I heard these words that, again, led me. It was about 30 years ago. And so the, here's the verse that was used of the voice, Matthew 5, 30. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Does that make perfect sense why a 15-year-old would decide to follow Jesus after that? Yeah, obvious, right? We might get into this a little bit later, but what was going on in my life at the time? As a 15-year-old raised in church, we'd have these different events, youth events, and maybe I'd go someplace and make a commitment over a weekend. And I made lots of oaths and promises, and then I'd come back to school and break them. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do this and this and this for you, God. And I didn't do it. <clears throat> well, I was, I was in a pretty dark place at that point. And when, when I sensed that voice, when I heard that voice, um, that, this is what really led me to, to where I am today. And I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but some of the, one thing that's kind of strange about this verse, right after this verse, it gets into uh, marriage vow, other vows or oaths, uh, but first the, the marriage vows, Matthew 5, 31 through 32. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. We'll pause there. We've been doing sensitive topics here, but it's not here. But it's not really us, it's Jesus. I think the Sermon on the Mount is so important for the whole world. It's especially important for Christians to try to follow these words of Jesus. Because this is the longest stretch of teaching. And we, we, uh, we've been the last few weeks really personal, difficult topics of anger and reconciliation. Like stuff that's really difficult and grudges and how we talk about other people. Last week we were in the very personal topic of, of uh, lust and adultery. And then today here we're at divorce, which again is another emotionally laden topic that we have. Um, so we're not really going to get into that. And we're just going to kind of point out right here that this is a marriage, Jesus is saying, is a solemn commitment, not a flippant one. So we're going to focus, this is going to be a divorce uh, message or marriage message. Uh, what we're going to focus on has to do with ne what's next, Matthew five thirty-three through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said that people long ago, to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. Do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is footstool, or by Jerusalem, the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, before we get into this, I've had, I remember some classes in college, and one of the, some of the things that people say, the Sermon on the Mount is so challenging 
that it just leads us all to like needing the grace of God. Because a lot of times it challenges us. Maybe we feel exposed when we read the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and we have that level. But again, we're, we're reading this through the filter of blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. So mercy is so important. Grace, mercy. Jesus came full of grace and truth. So thinking about the oaths and what Jesus is saying here. There's a movie called I Still Believe. It's about a uh, singer named Jeremy Camp. He's about my age from Lafayette, Indiana. So he's a Hoosier. Uh, worked at Pizza King. <laughs> That's in the movie. But anyway, in the movie, his wife is dying of a terminal illness. And he says to her, you're going to be healed, I promise. She said to him, you can't, don't say that. Don't make promises that are not yours to keep. Can you promise somebody that they are going to be healed? No. <laughs> right? Or as Jesus said, you can't even make one hair white or, or black or gray or whatever. You can't even make sure you have hair. You can't do it. Like, is that a promise for you to keep? Like, you're sick. I know you're sick. But I promise you, you're going to get better. Well, maybe God can heal the person, right? We hope he will. But man, I think all of us have probably have times where we've prayed for people's healing and it didn't happen the way that we hoped. That you're going to get better, you're not going to die from this illness. We can't do that. We don't have the ability to do that. Can you? Can you make a vow to stay together for better or for worse? Can you do that? Can you make that promise? I think so. It seems like it. Can you make a promise that things are going to get better? I would say no. <laughs> like we just don't, we don't know what's going to happen. Like so much is out of our control. Can you get, can you make a promise to stay together for uh, richer or for poorer? Yes, I think so. I mean, it might be hard to keep it, right? But can you make a promise that you're going to get richer? No. The economy might crash. We never know what's going to happen. We can't really promise these things. We can hope. We can be confident maybe it's going to, but we can't make that. Can we, can we make those kind of promises in our vows, uh, in sickness and in health? Can we make that, that we're going to stay together through that? Yeah. Well, it might be hard to fulfill it, but can we make a promise that we are going to have health? No. We can't. We, we, we don't know. Those aren't promises that are, that are ours to keep. Um, we can't. Because here's one of the really important things that we need to realize, I think, as Christians. Because sometimes maybe people who follow God will take the role of God. And it's not our role to play. But we can't guarantee outcomes. We can trust. We can walk by faith. But there's this outcomes that we cannot guarantee. There are promises that are not ours to make. We can make them, but we can't really keep them. Uh, maybe, maybe like a, a guarantee. Maybe it'll happen and maybe it won't. But really, we don't have the power to back them up. Um, so we're going to back up again to the words preceding the oaths because Jesus is kind of warned, don't make these flippant promises. And I know I've made flippant promises and oaths and all that. So I'm, again, I'm not here to throw stones. But don't, don't be really careful. Don't go quickly into a promise or a covenant or an oath. Just let your yes be yes or your no, no. But before that, those words from Matthew 5.30. 
And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So I got a couple questions about this verse. Question one, what does that oath have, what does that word about cutting off your right hand have to do with divorce and oaths? Funny you should ask that. The archaeological study Bible says this. In ancient times, raising one's hand was a standard oath-taking practice. One of the most frequently used words in Scripture, occurring over 1,600 times, is hand. Besides its literal use, it occurs in numerous figurative senses as well. To put one's hand under another thigh meant to take a solemn oath. And which hand do we raise when we put our hand on the Bible? I do solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. What is that? Right hand. So like, it's still. And that's oftentimes. This is what we talked about the eye being the church of the one-eyed or the church of the blind. It wasn't a literal thing. And this isn't a literal thing either. But, but here, like connecting it with the oaths that we make. Uh, being careful. Like don't, don't put yourself in those positions of flippant promises. Be really, really careful. So again, avoid broken commitments, empty promises, unfaithfulness. Sane, amputate a hand. Why? Cancer, to prevent an infection, right, or disease from spreading. And that's kind of like if there is something that's there that's spreading, that's really, really causing harm, that's an infection, stop it right there. Keep from that. Keep from, don't even make those oaths. Be very, very careful about the promises. When you say, I promise, or I swear, or whatever it is, Jesus warned, just don't avoid that. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Because when we make these promises, and when, the, when we don't keep the promises, one of the things that happens is our character starts to crack. And we even lose some confidence in ourselves, too. We make a promise, we don't fulfill it, and there's a little bit of a crack. And the more that we have these of saying, I promise I'll do this and not doing it, the more cracks that we have, the more infection can spread. And Jesus wants us to stop that. And that's one of the ways to do it. Don't, don't, go, into, don't go into a problem. Let your yes, yes. Let your no be no. Uh, so be really, really careful about your word and how you do that. Question two. Why would this verse lead a 15-year-old to make a decision to follow Jesus? Well, I already mentioned I had a lot of broken commitments. I would kind of, on my own effort, I get emotionally invested in a speaker or music. Oh, yeah, I'll go forward to the altar or make whatever promise. And in the emotion, I would make it and I'd make a commitment. But then I would break that commitment. And uh, when I was looking at my life at that point, one of the, the, the difficulties that had, I had besides flippant commitments was the, the company that I kept. I, I surrounded myself with people. I was a fool, and I surrounded myself with other fools. Uh, they, they were, we were all goodish people, but we were like encouraging just foolishness and what is destructive. And so when I heard that, I, this was a weekend uh, when this was happening, we, I was 15, we had some 16-year-old, we, we went in and we bought some alcohol as minors, 
and I had contraband beer in my closet, and we were planning this party. It was foolish, a foolish thing for a 15-year-old to do. I got a 15-year-old son. Don't listen to this, buddy, okay? <laughs> He's so much better than I am. What, what a blessing as a parent to have kids that are better than you. Um, 15-year-old, same, same age as my son, Caleb. Uh, and, and when I heard this voice, you know, kind of out, like, if your right hand caused you to sin, cut off. Like, I knew what that meant for me. It meant, you got to cut this foolishness out. you got to quit going into these situations with these friends where you're just going to do destructive stuff that's not good for your soul and that it's ruining you and, you know, that eventually is going to catch up with you. Kind of like, I think the, the, one of the things that the Spirit was trying to say, me at that, say to me at that point in my life was kind of like what it says in Proverbs 13.20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And again, I throw me in the camp of fools. I don't want to throw my friends under the bus. But we were living such a foolish life that I was, we were suffering harm from the stuff we were doing. We were a companion of fools. And it was just a matter of time before things got even worse than what it was. So I needed to kind of change the way that I was living and, and intentionally walk with some people who were wise. Because the people who were influencing me were influencing me, and I had to recognize that. The way that I wanted, the kind of life that I wanted to live, if it, if it were to be purposeful and meaningful, I was going to have to walk with some people, have relationships with some people who I could say, oh, the path that they're heading on is a path I'd want to be on. Uh, because it's good, not because it's just fun and probably heading in the wrong direction. So that, that was the thing that I needed to change. Probably my favorite Disney movie is Moana. And there's this line in a song that, that really fits this. It goes, the people you love will change you. So true. Walk with the wise, grow wise. The people you love will change you. Look around in this room. Probably if you're a part of this, you're going to be influenced by some of the people in this room. The people you love will change you. That's how we've been made as human beings. We're influenced. The things you have learned will guide you. And nothing on earth can silence the quiet voice inside you. And that quiet voice when I was 15 was the one that's saying, your right hand caused you to sin, cut it off. And that quiet voice is still inside. That quiet voice is still speaking the Holy Spirit still speaks and still guides me to this day. Now, having said that, it might seem like we're doing a sharp turn right here. So let's slow down for the curve. But I promise you, I think this fits, okay? So this may seem like we're taking a departure from oaths and listening to the voice. But stay with me. Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount with this illustration of two houses built, one on a rock and one on sand. And the one on the rock survives the storm, one on the sand gets, cooked, gets destroyed in the storm. And Jesus says in Matthew seven twenty four, in that illustration as he's closing out the sermon, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine. Now, it's really important to listen to the words of Jesus in Scripture. But I think that the voice of the Spirit speaks outside of the Scripture, too. I don't think, personally, I don't believe that the voice of Jesus contradicts the Scriptures. 
But I think if we just have the scriptures and don't have the, the Holy Spirit speaking to us, we're going to miss something. Because we, we don't have all the answers there are to answer just from the Bible. Like, there's, there's just different tensions that we, it's like, well, I can see verses here and verses there. Like, what, how, do, how do we move forward? How do we, how do we discern what this means when I see verses on both sides? So, walking with Jesus, when we walk with Jesus, as the words from an old song says, he speaks to me everywhere. And that's one of the convictions that we have is that the Holy Spirit speaks, that Jesus speaks, or as Jesus said it in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's something about that we can do as religious people where we just rely on oaths. Maybe a decision that we made, and sometimes those are really good. But if it's just about a decision at some point or an oath or a a commitment and not about right now and listening to what God is saying in this moment, that we can lose sight of it. We can have a form of godliness but deny its power. In my attempts, I look at my kind of my 30 years of this effort of following Jesus. And I can say that when I look at this verse, in my attempts to run away from fools and not suffer harm, there have been times where I have been confident of my own righteousness, where I have looked down on others, where I have avoided being a friend of sinners uh, as Jesus was. In other words, there have been times when I've tried to practice that that I've become very unchristlike, very Pharisee-like and unchristlike in my, oh, I, gotta, I gotta avoid fools. But Jesus calls up. Jesus, when he lived his life, had all this compassion for people. Again, he was called the friend of sinners. And that can be a really difficult sticking point for me when I was 15 versus now. So how does, how does the Spirit speak today? That voice that, uh, that originally was talking about oaths. Well, listen to this. Hebrews 4, 7 says this. Today, if you hear his voice... Do not harden your hearts. There's a voice that that helps us as we wrestle with the complexities, trying to discern where the Lord is leading us. Like as we wrestle with what is my faithfulness to Christ look like? What What does God want me to do? What is it? How can I be obedient in this situation when it's just so complex to me? Keeping, again, keeping an oath from the past is has some merits and there's some good but it we also need to encounter the living god today because we can fall into this trap the one that i fall into is effort trying so hard trying so hard being determined and not noticing what the lord is saying not being awakened to what god is doing broadly all over the world and i get caught up in my own little kingdom and trying to fulfill my oath when the Lord's voice is so much bigger and so much better and so much broader and freer. Isaiah 30 is an incredible chapter. <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been reading it over and over the last couple of months. But in the, in the story of this, Isaiah was a Hebrew prophet about 700 years before Jesus. And he's confronting the people of God because they're doing things on their own. And they're making oaths, or another way to say it in my translation, they're making alliances with others. They're making these agreements, these promises, covenants, alliances. But God didn't ask him to do it. 
They, they think that that's what they're supposed to do, that that's their get best. And he's confronting them. And he tells them they need to repent. He tells them that they need to rest instead of go out and do all these things. It's in repentance and it's in rest that you'll find your salvation. And it's in quietness and confidence or quietness and trust that's your strength. And then he goes on to say this, these powerful words in Isaiah 30, 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That voice is still here. This is the way, and we need this voice so badly. This is the way, walk in it. You know what Wednesday was? Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. It was both. Fascinating juxtaposition. Do we fast like it's Ash Wednesday and give up things? Or do we feast like it's Valentine's Day? And I know, I know, like, we have all kinds of emotions about both days. Uh, but traditionally, Valentine's Day is a day of enjoying. It's a rich day. It's a day of desserts and rich foods and, and splurging and, and luxury and, and gifts. And Ash Wednesday is a day of sacrifice. It's going into Lent and, and giving something up. So what is it? Do we live our lives like it's Valentine's Day and we go all in and we go expensive and eat all kinds of chocolate and rich foods? Or do we live like it's Ash Wednesday and sacrifice, right? Do we deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow? Or do we live that life that's abundant? Do we delight ourselves in the Lord? Like there's this tension. What if we made an oath to doing one or the other? What about when it's on the same day? What do you do? Which one do you pick? That's what a lot of life is. It's Ash Wednesday meets Valentine's Day. Which way do we And that's why we need that voice. Whether you go to the left or the right, which way is it? This is the way, walk in it. We need to hear the one who's compassionate. The one who can be full of grace and full of Neither or to condone, but saying, this is the way, walk in it. I'm calling you up to something greater. There's something so much better. This is the way. Walk in it. I believe it. I've missed it. But don't just do oath over voice. There is a quiet voice that's still inside. For me, one of the things I've noticed, I have times of solitude and times where I've just been listening. Just quiet down and say, I want to be still and know that you are God. I want to hear, Lord, if there is a word. Like, I know it's chaotic, but I need, I need solitude. Talk to me, Lord. And in that, one of the things that I sense that the voice of Christ is less harsh and less intelligent than my own. It's kind of both. It's, but whenever I've listened to the, the, the voice, it's always led to good and right paths because God is good. God has good plans for us. So today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. The voice has words for you that are good. It's paths that are restorative to your soul. And grace will follow you all the days of your life. Don't harden your heart to the voice. Listen. Will you pray with me? Others will come up. Go ahead and open your eyes. Because I want to just corporately, because the church is all of us. And uh, just... Prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. So let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven.
hallowed be your name.